Queremos recordarles a todos los que no hablan inglés que tenemos los traductores, así que si necesitan ir en la parte de atrás tenemos la traducción y a um, favor de recordar ya está funcionando, si usted tenía uno y no estaba funcionando, préndalo porque ya está listo. I was just telling our Spanish uh, brothers and sisters that the ones that need the translation, we have it ready and it's already up and running and thank you so much for being with us today. We have enough translators today. Go on the back and our brothers and sisters will be able to assist you. Nuestros hermanos te podrán asistir con el, um, el traductor en la parte de atrás cerca del área del café. David, wow, what a story, right? Somebody that really went from being among the sheep to be the king. Uh, something called humility, right? Somebody that came from very humble upbringing and now he is uh, being anointed as the king. He has defeated already Goliath in a mighty way and everybody is pretty much looking at him and, and thinking he's, he could be a really good king. Except for one person. Many more probably, but except for one person. The actual King Saul. He is not very much on board with David being the king. Right? Because then that means he's out of the job. And then what usually happens, and I don't know, maybe here in, in the U.S. it doesn't happen that way, but some of us that have come from third world countries uh, or from places where there's dictatorship or things like that, we know that when we go up against the ruler, things are not going to be very easy. And that's exactly what is happening now with David. David is now on the run. Why? Because he defeated Goliath in a mighty way. And now people are singing that Saul killed a few thousands, but David killed ten thousands. And everybody is really on board with David except for the king Saul. And if you could please join me in 1 Samuel chapter 22. And we're going to go, uh, we're going to breeze through it. Obviously it's been a wonderful day today. Uh, nine baptisms is amazing. Love that. Love seeing people following Christ because they have trusted in Christ as their personal Savior. But now we're going to go, we're going to start here in uh, 1 Samuel 22:1 through 23:5. There's a number of verses in here. And it's very important that the Lord would um, speak to our hearts today. So as we open our Bibles, as we open maybe... Uh, your cell phone, whatever. Let's bow before the Lord and let's ask that he would uh, speak to our hearts through the word of God. Heavenly Father, we come before you today and thank you so much for the display of faith that we have seen today already. Father, you've been, you've been working in the lives of many people and today maybe there's some around us that have trusted you but that have been lingering, that have not yet taken that step of faith through baptism. So, Father, may today that example of nine people coming forward and, um, and really believing, Lord, that this is the way that they should honor by taking that step of obedience. Help us, each one of us, Lord, that we, to remember that uh, there might not be only times of, of uh, great joy, but there might be, they, maybe in the future, there might come times of sorrow or distress. So help us to remember that we are not abandoned 
and that we ought to always, Lord, answer in faith, knowing that you are with us. Forth in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're going to see, I mean, this is a, a very interesting chapter. It's a chapter where we're going to see a contrast between two kings. Um, one, right, uh, the, the already anointed but not ruling yet, King David, and the one rejected but not ready to give up, Saul. And we're going to see the contrast in between the faith of these two people and the response in the middle of distress. Both of them are in distress. One, because he's been persecuted by a king. His name is David. And the other one, because he doesn't want to let go of the kingdom, he's too attached to it. And that causes him to be in distress. So what we see here in chapter 20, 22 is the following. So David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. Soon his brothers and all his older relatives joined him there. Then others began coming, men who were in trouble or in debt or who were just discontented. Until David was the captain at about 400 men. Let me, if we could take a look at this, um, this uh, map. David has been hiding, right? Uh, at this point he has to run. To this area, Adulam. Adulam is a cave, and here's Bethel, Bethlehem, uh, Gibeah, where Saul is stationed at that moment, and David is on the run. He goes to Adulam. Uh, let's move into the next one. Thank you. And the next one as well. Uh, Adulam is, is like, this is Adulam nowadays. And as you can see, there's caves all around it. So we don't know exactly what cave he was in and, and which one he was. But imagine 400 people living in a cave like that. And some people would be like, no, that, that's not possible. That's not, it can happen. But check out the next one. This is just one of the smallest ones in the area of Adulam. So he's on the run because he's fearing for his life. And lo and behold, who begins to come to David. It says in the scriptures, according to, to what we are reading right now, that there were three kinds of people that were looking for the support of the new king that has not yet been ruling. The king receives those in need, people in distress, people in debt, and people who are disheartened. Now you have in your notes, in your um, little paper that we gave you at the beginning, uh, just so that you could follow and so that I don't get lost. I notice that now I have to put that there so that I don't get lost and I don't start rambling. But also, they put this tail on me so that I won't run all over and I will be attached to just one place, which is good. Um, nonetheless, this, uh, the king receives those in need. This is really important, you know, because up to this point, we could identify with David in many ways. Maybe when we are facing a problem, a difficulty, a situation that is too big, too gigantic for us to take. Uh, at that moment, we remember that God is with, our, with us. And in miraculous ways, he could help us. Just like we see David defeating Goliath. And it might be in your case, a situation of a difficult marriage. Or maybe a difficult situation of financial peril. Maybe a son or a daughter that are drifting away and no longer walking with Jesus. Maybe it is a 
a job that you are not really happy with. And it seems like a gigantic situation that nobody can help you. But you know what? Up to this point, we can identify with David. But in this moment, in chapter 22, this is where it's really interesting because David becomes that figure, that type of Christ. Him being the king, not yet ruling. And everybody, he's drawing people to himself. But what kind of people? You know, when Jesus was born, everybody thought that he was going to be um, surrounded by mighty people, by politicians, by rich people. But no, he was surrounded by the reject ones, pretty much like David right now in the, in the cave of Adulam. And isn't that beautiful? That people that probably would never have a hope with God, the people that probably um, are rejected by many others, are now coming before the new king and finding their refuge in this new king. Can you see the parallel? Can you see how beautiful it is that just like in the time of David, people that were in distress, people that were in debt, people that were completely disheartened can find in David refuge. Let's make the parallel then at this point because then just like today, we could go to the Lord Jesus Christ and no matter what you're facing, no matter what it is that you are facing right now, if it's distress, if it's debt, or if it's a disheartened situation, you could find in him what you're looking for, and he's ready to give it to you. People in distress, this is a beautiful word. Well, not beautiful, but interesting. The word is mosaic. It's hardship. It's anguish. Have you been in that place? Have you been in a place of anguish, distress, or desperation? Um, I remember a few, time, a few years ago when um, a church in Mexico that I was shepherding, we started receiving phone calls from the organized crime. I didn't know that, but five of the elders in our church started receiving phone calls from the organized crime saying, if you want protection, you're going to give us $100,000, each one of them. I didn't know that. So eventually when it was brought to my attention... My brothers and sisters, needless to say, I had no idea what to do. And I remember at moments when my brother, a really dear brother of mine, his name is Lauren. He was a missionary. He was working with us. And Lauren Kurtz had to go all the way up to the third floor of the place where he was living. And he had with binoculars, he was guarding his house, looking around while other of, other of us were in the next corner, just waiting to see if he needed our attention or our, our need. It was horrible, my dear brothers and sisters. And at that moment, I did not know what to do other than go before the Lord. And I did what I can do best when, I, when I'm in distress. I started weeping because I had no idea what else to do. And seeing my brothers and sisters being in danger it caused me a lot of pain. You know what is beautiful? That this word, masak, hardship, anguish. If you are in that place, then you are in a really good place. Whether it is because health issues have come your way. Whether it is because financial situation has presented itself. Whether it is because maybe even some emotional situations. But it's beautiful that we could go to the Lord and he's ready to help us. And if you are in that situation, 
God is ready to help you and help me. The next word, it's nasah, nasa. Yeah, nasa, it inquired a lot of debt. So it's easy to relate both of them, right? They want to go to Mars, so obviously they have a lot of debt. Nasa is the word, and it says here, the people that were in debt. Um, it doesn't necessarily talk of people that, like us, you know, many of us here have a debt that is normal. We're paying a house, we maybe are paying a car or education. This is not what it's talking about. It's called, talking about debt, but that you cannot pay that debt and you're already having your creditors coming your door and you don't know what to do about it. That's the kind of people that he's talking about here. People that cannot make their payments and because of it, they are then, like the former, in distress. I remember, you know, reading through Dave Ramsey's, that financial Christian guru, and he says something really good. We buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't even like. And because of it, we find a lot of people nowadays really in debt. There's certain debt, according to Dave Ramsey, and probably we could say in the scripture that um, there's certain debt that is not that bad. I mean, buying a house, buying a car. But when you're buying groceries with your credit card, then there's a situation there that needs attention. And you know who's there to assist you? The Lord Jesus Christ. He might not come down with a check and with a credit card and pay off the debt, but he's ready to help you be wise in the way that we spend his money because ultimately it's not our money. It's his money for us to administer. Not only people that are in distress, but people that are in debt are coming. People who are disheartened. This is a two-word sentence. Um, it's called mar. And if you remember, marar is bitter. Nefesh. Mar nefesh. And Marnefesh is, is, speaks of somebody that has bitterness inside in their soul. Now maybe in your, in your copy of the scriptures, it might say something different, like disheartened or uh, people that were in discontent. But here it's talking about people that are bitter. Have you ever uh, met anybody that is bitter? Have you ever been find yourself looking in the mirror and thinking, oh, looks like a bitter person right there. Uh, I remember my brother, one thing that caused me to begin to seek the Lord Jesus Christ was that my older brother, he's almost two years older than I am, and he came to know the Lord as a personal savior. I wanted to be a Catholic priest, so to me that was a no-no. But hey, little by little, I began to see changes in him. You know why the first change that I noticed? Even though he was only 18 years old, he was probably about the, bitter, the most bitter person I have ever met. How could he be 18 years old and so bitter? And yet, three months after he came to know the Lord as his personal Savior, things were changing and his heart was softened. Why? Because of the beautiful act of the Holy Spirit in his heart. And I was drawn to that because I saw someone that was beginning to understand that there is hope when you don't see hope. That there's, powerful, there's power when you don't see escape to that situation that you're living. And when I saw my brother changing from bitter to happy, it was a huge testimony of faith in my heart. 
And that's one of the things that really the Lord helped for me to draw, to draw him, to draw toward the Lord Jesus Christ. And these are the people that are coming to the king. Woohoo! What a great bunch of people, right? And these are ready to be the army. You know, eventually when we get to the later, the latter part of chapter uh, of 1 Samuel and the beginning parts of 2 Samuel, we realize that this is the group of people that become the mighty men of David. So this is, isn't that beautiful? That maybe other people see you right now without any hope, and they see you as somebody that has no future. But in the Lord, he sees potential. The Lord sees potential in you. Kids, young children, young women, young, women, young men. No matter what other people might have told you at your school, maybe teachers that maybe belittled you, maybe not even your parents, pretty much like David, maybe they don't even think too much about you. But there's someone that really believes in you, that sees the potential in you, and that is ready to help you. Whether it is that you are bitter or you are in distress, he is ready to help you because he sees the potential just like he saw it in this 400 men and in David. We need to hurry through this. The king provides also for those he loves. This is a beautiful part because if you notice, in verse 3 to 5, uh, later, David went to Mizpah in Moab, where he asked the king, Please allow my father and my mother to live here with you until I know that God is going to do for me. So David's parents stayed in Moab with the king during the entire time David was living in his stronghold. Now, we have to ponder, we have to wonder, why is David taking his parents to Moab? Uh, maybe there are... It's going to be even more dangerous. At least they are at home with, in Bethlehem with everybody. But why are they going to Moab? If you, um, we don't have time to go back to the, um, to the map. But if we surround all the, the southern part of the Dead Sea, we're going to go all the way to Moab. Now, who's David's dad? Jesse. And who's David's, and who's Jesse's dad? Obed. And who's Obed's dad? Boaz, who's the husband of Ruth, who happens to be from Moab. Isn't that interesting? So he decides, you know, everybody might join forces with Saul, but I know that I could take care of my family by taking my family to family. Uh, Pastor Mitch very recently sent uh, us, I think, Primarily men, but I'm sure that he went out to many other people. He was encouraging us um, to be diligent in taking care of our families. How? By having things in order. No matter what age you are, you have. If you have children, if you have a spouse, it's better for you to start putting all your things in order, right? Things might happen. A really dear friend of mine, 46 years old, died just two weeks ago. And a, week, and, and a year before that, another friend of mine, 46 years old, also died. You know why it's important for me, the number 46? Because a couple of weeks from now, I'll be 46. So it's a good reminder for me that I need to put my things in order. I need to take care of my family. And in this case, 
the king provides for those he loves. Now, the former king is going to reveal his character. I don't, you can read that part. It says here in uh, verse 22, 6 to 15. Let me read it just briefly so that you would understand what's going on. The, the chapter before, chapter 21, David is on the run. And he goes, he goes to a place where he finds the priests. The priest, Ahimelech, help him by giving him food and giving him also the sword of Goliath that he had taken, right? You remember he killed Goliath and he was, he was given this sword in care. And now David comes back and he claims that sword back and he's fed by the priest. What do you think is going to happen with, those, with that priest when Saul finds out that David was helped by this priest? Exactly what you're thinking. And the problem is that the, the soul, he's not like David. David, when he's in distress, he's going to the Lord. He's finding people. He's finding refuge in the Lord. But not Saul. Saul begins to be very paranoid. And first of all, he accuses David to try to kill him, where we know that David wasn't trying to kill him at, the, at that point. This is between verses 6 and 15. Then he also accuses Jonathan to side with David... And both of them conspiring against Saul. We know that is not truth. And then on top of that, he accuses the priest to say, not only you're siding with David, but you want to kill me as well. Isn't it so sad? It's so sad to see someone paranoid at the point of not even listening to the counsel of the people that are around him. Why? Because at a moment, he says to his guard... All the Benjaminites. He says, kill all the priests. And what did they say? What did they do? They said, no, we're not going to do that, king. Saul should have thought better and should have thought if they're against it, probably it is because it is not God's will. But he's so paranoid that he's not listening to anybody. Then he asked one of the guys that is there, somebody who wasn't uh, from their same region, and he goes and kills not only this high priest, but 80, 84, other 84 priests, a total of 85, and not only the priests, but their families, their kids, their wives, even all their oxen, because he's so paranoid. Instead of loving the Lord, instead of trusting the Lord, he becomes paranoid, and instead of providing for those he loves, he reveals his true character, becomes paranoid, and he's ruthless. He's ruthless. We see that in verse 16 to 19. How could you go against the Lord's wishes? How could you go against the, the law of the Lord and the people of the Lord? Now, before we are to quickly to judge what he's doing, obviously that's wrong, very wrong. But we need to remember that this is also a situation that was because Eli, this is the family of Eli, and the Lord had said in 1 Samuel chapter 2 to Eli, because you and your two sons, Ophni and Phinehas, because you did not obey me, then nobody of the priest line is going to live up to be an old man. So what we see here is the execution of that judgment that the Lord is bringing upon the house of Eli. Very important because... It's my brothers and sisters. 
It is we. We have to go before the Lord. We have to be very diligent in seeking the Lord so that our children also decide not only to gallop in our faith, to ride in our faith, but to ride in their own faith. And may they come and get baptized, not because they have seen us getting baptized, but because they trusted in Christ. They themselves trusted in Christ. And they are deciding to follow the Lord, not because we are telling them, but because they really believe it. And that was the problem with the priest, the, the priest line, the priestly line of Eli. What we see now is part of the situation where it's an execution, and in a sense, because the Lord have already determined that. In, in which way? Because they did, the, 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 grandfather, the grandfather, grandfather of them did not follow the Lord the way they should. But let's see the contrast with David toward the end. Uh, the king shows wisdom and helps those in need. Contrary to Saul, who was paranoid and was ruthless, the king, David, he shows wisdom and helps those that are in need. Take a look at, tw at verse 20 in chapter 22. It says the following. Only Abiathar, the, the, one of the sons of Ahimelech, the, king, the, the priest that was killed, escaped and fled to David. When he told David that Saul had killed the priest of the Lord, David exclaimed, I knew it. When I saw Doeg the Edomite there that day, I knew he was sure to tell Saul. Now I have caused death of all your, your father's family. Stay here with me. And don't be afraid. I will protect you with your own life, with my own life, for the same person wants to kill both of us. So now the Lord is protecting, now, now uh, David is protecting the righteous. And in this case, we're talking about Abiathar, this, the only descendant, the only live descendant at this point of Eli, the only living priest. And it's really important to remember because Abiathar joined David and remained with David until the end. He became the priest of this party from 400 that grew to 6 to 800. And he was the leader, the spiritual leader of this flock. He was also of great service to David, especially at the time of the rebellion of Absalom. And when David ascended to the throne of Judah, Abiathar was appointed the high priest. Now, how important it is then at this point that we have the king to be with the high priest to be. Because the Lord is already building, is already preparing the next stage of the rule there in Israel. And both of them are righteous people that are trying to do God's will. So we get to chapter 23, verse 1. One day... News came to David that the, Philistine, the Philistines were at Kela, Stealing grain from the threshold floors, David asked the Lord, Should I go and attack them? Yes, go and save Kela. The Lord told him. But David's men said, We are afraid, even here in Judah. We certainly don't want to go to Kela and fight the whole Philistine army. So David asked the Lord again, and again the Lord replied, Go down to Kela, for I will help you conquer the Philistines. So David and his men went to Kela. Then they slaughtered the Philistines and took all their livestock and rescued the people of Kela. Now, then, now when Abitar, son of Ahimelech, 
fled to David at Kela, he brought the ephod with him. So he's bringing that meaning that he was going to start doing the sacrifices on behalf of the people that is with David. But what happens here is really beautiful because contrary to what happened, this is a, an interesting contrast. We see a king that is seeking the Lord's advice. And what happened before, at the end of chapter 22, when Saul was trying to do his own will and his men didn't want to follow him by killing the priest, what is that Saul did? He went ahead and command and, and delegated that responsibility to somebody else. He wasn't a king according to God's own heart. But the king that was according to God's own heart, David, he's seeking the Lord not only once, but twice. And in seeking his will, what we see is the blessing of the Lord upon David. Let me finish with some applications. What are your circumstances today? Are you desperate? With one circumstance, if, circumstance after another weighing upon you? Are you weary physically, emotionally, or spiritually? Trust that God will never let you go of his, ne never let go of his servants. Number one, God sees your circumstances, but he also sees your potential. Don't give up. Be faithful. Maybe you are in distress. Maybe you are in debt. Maybe you are disheartened or bitter. Be faithful. Continue to be faithful to the Lord. And He in due time will help you. Today we are um, with our brother, with our elder, Aaron Doe and his family. Knowing that his dad is in, his, in the presence of the Lord. But knowing as well that the Lord is with you, with the whole family. And praying for you all. But it might be that you also are feeling that some people have mentioned that how much they miss others that are now in the presence of the Lord. No matter what circumstances you're going through, the Lord is faithful. We need to be faithful to the Lord, and He is faithful to us. Number two, accept the counsel of others, and in the discipline of the Lord, be humble. Accept the counsel of others, and in the discipline of the Lord, be, be humble. You know, Ahimelech and Abiathar didn't know that, or probably didn't even know that the reason why they are being uh, disciplined by the Lord is because of something that Eli, their great-grandfather, did. But we need to accept the counsel of others, just like David did. And even if it comes discipline in our way, we need to be humble and accept it. Finally, help those who are in need. Kayla was in distress. They, they're being robbed of their, their gain. They're being robbed of everything by the Philistines. And David had the opportunity of helping them. You know how many people nowadays see need, but we're not prompt to help anybody. And I understand, we all drive through certain corners here in Katy nowadays, and we see people asking for help in the corners. And sometimes we think, do they really need the help? But... So what we're saying is that we need to be wise, right? If we detect, if we think that those people are liars, then I think we don't have necessarily to support them. But what if they really are in need? Or what if there are other needs that you are aware of and all you do is pray and be satisfied? I'll be praying for you. Then we really are not showing the love of the Lord 
in that case. And in this case, David, he had the resources to help the people that were in need, and he was compassionate. So help those in need and be compassionate. Many things that we could learn from these passages, but the most important thing is that contrast between two kings that are going in distress. One that placed completely his trust in the Lord, and another one that placed that completely trusts in his own resources. Who are we going to be like when we are going through difficulties and circumstances? I trust that we are like that king according to God's own heart and seeks the Lord at any moment and any time that we need his assistance in our lives. Let's bow. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful today for the example that you give us here of David who in due time, Lord, even though he was running away, even though he was needing himself assistance and, and help from others, he was quickly to help others that were in distress, just like he was. Father, we thank you for the lives that you are transforming every single day. And I pray that you would help us not to feel abandoned, but to feel your presence every single day, especially in the moments where we are in peril. In Jesus' name, amen.